Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Silent Cast. And this week we've got a new guest on. So welcome to the podcast, Alex Crossan. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And yeah, welcome to the podcast, Alex. Uh, another one of our uh, illustrious away sports players. I've known you for quite a while, haven't I, through playing for that. And um, Ollie, you've met him at away games and stuff before, haven't you? So yeah, well, good to have you on. Uh, probably one of our younger voices, uh, Alex. So just give us a bit of a, a background of when you started sporting town and, and, and how that all started, really. Well, I'm, I'm flattered that you've uh, called me young there. But, uh, <laughs> yes, um, yes I'm, I'm Alex, 26. Uh, not quite an exile. I'm you know, in the next county along in Staffordshire been uh been supporting Shrewsbury for probably about 20 years my dad took me when I was a, a kid and you know I, I now go without him now so uh oh. yeah it's been a it's been a long time now good stuff and what what in that period then what's what's your sort of standout moment as Shrewsbury Town fan so far uh I think standout would be going to to Wembley for the first time as as a young kid um I think it was 09 wasn't it the first one mm-hmm. um you know, seeing, seeing Wembley. I mean, not a great experience in the end, but um, yeah, I mean, just travelling all over the country, going to these different stadiums. Mm. It's uh, it's a lot of fun travelling away. Yeah, it's probably the big, biggest standout. Yeah, that's fair enough. And go on there, we normally ask as well, fav- favourite player during Euro period sporting town so far? Oh, yeah. You know what? It's a bit of a weird one. It's a bit left field. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Shane Canstall Sheriff and I cannot ah. explain why. <laughs> I just, I just love that man. He was good. Yeah. He didn't really ever let us down, did he, Ollie? He was a solid, dependable League League Two player, I suppose. Good, good, a good sort of upper area League Two defender, I suppose. Yeah, he was. I'd like to him. Yeah, he's obviously an intelligent player, and he's almost a. He was almost early for his age, wasn't he? A, a yeah. player that can play in both midfield and defence, which is. Mm. Coming more common in the Premier League now, isn't it? Obviously, just seeing Liverpool are playing now, and, and Fabinho is doing that quite well. But yeah, he was brilliant, and obviously that goal he scored at the Meadow, um, yeah. a, a thunder bastard. I think you described yeah. it as. <laughs> That's definitely one of the best goals that is, we've had at the yeah. Meadow. Actually, when you think it was about unbelievable. It, it was yeah. like a missile. Yeah, damn good. Oh, there you go. I don't think it's that left field, Alex, for sort of, uh, yeah, the fans a bit younger than us. So you missed out on some of the classic sort of 90s players, I guess. But there we go. Anyway, welcome to the podcast. We've got um, another exciting week, Ollie. Um, obviously, we're recording this on a Saturday afternoon. It's sunlight. It's uh, 11 minutes past two, Ollie. So I'm about to get my shoes on, get my coat on and walk up the meadow, uh, apart from the fact that Sunderland decided to have a COVID outbreak and the game's been called off. So, yeah, we decided to record a, a podcast this week just covering the super positive result at Lincoln, Ollie. Yeah, really good. Um, performance even better result a um, bit different to the whole game um, probably had less of the ball um, but as just as a, an impressive um, impressive result yeah exactly and as, I suppose we, we've, we've covered uh, quite a lot last week didn't we with our, with our guest aid in terms of what's going on the season but I just thought before we throw to the game to ask Alex really about what he's made of this season so far I suppose in more, more than that what have you made before the Lincoln game of, of, of Cottrell's appointment I think the Cottrell appointment at first was a little bit underwhelming for myself it, was not okay. my, it wasn't my first choice um, but the more I hear him talk the more I watch the games the more it feels like a, a step in the right direction, it feels like a, a good appointment. Yeah, so it's that bags of experience, isn't it, that's starting to come across, Ollie, that we've we've talked about. And as I say, this Lincoln game gives us plenty more material to get our teeth into, doesn't it? So, yeah, we'll 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 crack on and we'll we'll talk about the Lincoln game now. So, um, Lincoln City nil, Shrewsbury Town one. Um, goal in the 38th minute um, from Sean Worley. And yeah, we'll go to stats, Glenn, but a funny stat that happened on Friday night, um, that Pompey won 2-0 with no shots on target, <laughs> um, which is which is quite special. So, yeah, obviously shots on target, something we've been um, talking about a lot um, in, under the last manager's era. But um, looking more positively, um, yeah, there's some good stats at the moment. So there is some good stats. Funny you mentioned Hull, actually, Ollie. You noticed that since we've beaten them, they haven't won. They've lost three in a row now. So yeah. nice of us to completely break Hull. That was fantastic. Um, so, yeah, we've <laughs> rattled their season and uh, knocked them back a little bit. But, um, yeah, some good stats, really. I mean, for the last two years, Ollie, on this podcast, I've brought miserable stat after miserable stats to this podcast, haven't I? Which you can't do anything but that because, in reality, they've been pretty rubbish. But all of a sudden, even after only four games, there's some things you could look at to say, OK, this has been a, a pretty good start, to be fair. So, um, yeah, only four managers in the club's history have started their, their career with Shrewsbury Town after four games with a better start. Um, Turner in 2010-11 on that promotion season, Rowley in 58-59. Um, they both got 10 points. And then Chick Bates and Alan Durban in 84-85 and 73-74 got nine points. And obviously then just behind them is, is Cottrell on eight points. So that, that to me shows, you know, that this, this turnaround has been pretty mega following this Lincoln win. 
win. So, um, you know, to, to have got eight points already so quickly is fantastic. And when compared to Ricketts, um, it, it's embarrassing, to be honest with you. So um, there we go. But this win put us back to only seven points behind last season. So we've clawed that back from 12, which is what we were at one point. Um, and this start in League One for any manager is the best start we've had uh, for any of the League One managers. Um, so obviously, Cottrell's taken eight points from four games. And the previous best for that was Turner taking five points from his first four games. So in terms of the manager's comparisons at the moment, it's looking pretty good for, for Cottrell. This start has been unexpected, but also, you know, statistically pretty decent as well. It's been statistically decent. Yeah. Um, top teams as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the context is just phenomenal. And yeah, it's um, it's really interesting the way, he, you know, obviously he shares information. Um, he actually, you know, he isn't afraid to share and talk openly to the fans to give them some mm-hmm. insight what's going on, uh, which means that the fans feel a part of the journey. Um, and yeah, it just shows you um, what can be done. And and for me, interesting one, maybe, maybe we'll see what Alex thinks about this is, for me, it just shows you how important a football manager is. It's the case of, you know, you come in and you just completely change the club. Yeah, it feels it feels like an exciting thing. Every time he talks, I'm, I'm really interested in what he has to say. And towards, I mean, this season, definitely, every time Ricketts was speaking, <laughs> you know, I'm turning it off. <laughs> I'm just not interested with what he said because most of the time, it, let's let's uh, let's face it, it was waffle. Yeah, so it feels like, like I say, it feels like a good appointment. It feels like an exciting one. He knows what he's doing. It definitely seems like that the way he talks. Yeah, I, I think I totally agree, Alex. And, and it's funny because uh, you probably listened to the podcast last week. Me and Ollie were having a debate about bounce, new manager bounce, and mm. I, I was already saying I was seeing it within the performance and the way the players were carrying themselves. And Ollie was just wanting another result, weren't you, Ollie? Just yeah. to say, yeah, there's a new manager bounce here. So can we just confirm before we start this game, Ollie? Having beaten Lincoln, would you say we've had a new manager bounce? Yeah, most yes. definitely. It's officially a bounce. <laughs> there we go. So we're, we're moving on. We'll have to call this one new manager bounce, I think, Ollie. It seems yeah. like a best idea for the next game. But um, so just, just before we get to the team, I suppose what, you know, on the basis of this positivity, Alex, what, what, what were you thinking going into this Lincoln game? Obviously, we've beaten Hull on the Saturday. Um, were you expecting, you know, more of the same sort of style of football? Were you a bit more nervous about this game, considering it was, you know, the, the fitness things and then issues we had this season? Yeah, I think, I think with obviously being in and around Lincoln the last few years, you kind of expect them to be quite strong at home. Yeah. Um, you expect them to 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 come out all guns firing um, like they have been pretty much all season. You know they were second going into this mm-hmm. game. I would have taken a draw before the game, obviously yep. over the over the moon with a win. Yeah, that's. I mean, I couldn't have asked for much more, really. <laughs> no, not really. No, I, I think I was a bit nervous going into this one, Ollie. You know, I know we've been on a good run and stuff, but um, you know, we'd had our worries about the fitness, and um, for me, I was a bit worried. But yeah, takes to the team, Ollie. Let's let's just have a look at who we, who we played. Yeah, so it was an unchanged side. Um, we thought maybe there might be a one or two changes um, just for a kind of freshen the legs up. But I can understand why the manager did it. Um, he wanted to obviously reward the players that um, performed so well against Hull. Yep. Um, so yeah, it was Sarsic and goal. Williams, Ebanks and Pierre as a back three. Uh, Miller, Norburn and Vela. Um, Daniels and then Goss in the number 10. Uh, it, Goss had an interesting role and we'll talk about that as we went through the game. Mm. And then Worley and Adoe up front who um, just worked um, so, so hard. Yeah, I don't want to give the game away about his post-match interview, but he used the word selflessness about Wally Nadeau. And I think we're going to discuss the way they played and, and how that was a really good description of, of how they played in this game. For me, it's interesting, um, and I'll probably, probably ask Alex the same question now, but to go unchanged now and to have been pretty unchanged during his tenure so far, really, in terms of playing the similar sorts of players, um, it, to me, it seems to me like that Cottrell's solution to our problems at the moment is to get a 11 that are fit, can play every week and can get used to playing with each other rather than the chopping and changing under Ricketts. It seems to be that's one of the things that's paying dividends, Alex. Yeah, I mean, the flip side to that, the thing that worries me is, do we have the the backup? Do we have the backup on the bench that's really good enough for the first team? That's the that's the one thing about the the consistency in the team makes me worried about who's going to come in and change it. Does that make sense? No, I think it's, I think it's a good point. That to be perfectly honest with you, Alex, it's um. There are some players on the bench that have looked weak at times this season and, and probably have, have not impressed Cottrell um, in the training sessions either. And obviously, we, we talked about this the other week, Ollie, with the um, really poor performance against Lincoln in the in the EFL Trophy, where none of those reserve players really stood up for, to be counted, did they? So it's pretty understandable he wants to keep a consistent team selection. But, Ollie, really, it's going to be about the January transfer window, isn't it? You know, there's a strong enough team here looking at the last two games, but really that squad depth maybe isn't there as much as we thought. Yeah, I think the squad is completely unbalanced, something yeah. that the manager alluded to as well in his post-match. Um, yeah, really looking forward to January. Uh, <laughs> and people might have noticed we haven't made 
two summer downs of it, but we've kind of subtly started preparing for January transfer window. So last week we we're talking about Matt Miller, and this week we'll talk about Daniels and Pugh as we build yep. up to January. Um, but clearly there's work to be done um, in January, not just balancing the squad, but yeah, bringing in some quality as well. Um, so yeah, talking of quality, um, it's good to have Sasha. It's backing goal, um, sure. but it's fair to say he got away with this one a little bit. Um, so he's trying to usher the ball out um, of play. And he clearly held um, the player um, and it goes for a corner. Um, the corner comes in, it hits a Lincoln player and goes out. Um, and I thought Town were really lucky on two accounts there. Glyn, did you think that was a foul on the Lincoln player early in the, early in the first half? Yeah, I thought, I thought well, there's a few few penalty shouts they had across this game, which we'll talk about. Um, some of them are probably fair, I think. But yeah, I mean, Sarkis probably got a little bit lucky there, didn't he, with the holding. Um, and yeah, we, we got away with it, didn't we? I mean, we're going to have to, you know, we, we've often talked about Ricketts and how he lamented we didn't get any luck. But uh, as much as we played well in this game and, and held on in the second half, probably we could count ourselves a little bit lucky, I suppose, in this one. And these were maybe some of those moments there. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know, Alex, it, it did look like a penalty to you. It's a difficult one, really, because mm. the, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, what's happened there? Because I can't, you yeah. kind of switched off. It, you know, the ball's running out. And then no Lincoln player really, really shouted for it. You could hear it, but the players that were closest didn't really seem to to uh, to appeal. I don't know, it was a bit... And he was off the pitch, so where do you give the foul? Yeah, that's <laughs> so what I was just thinking. It was a weird that. one. Where would it have been given? I'm not quite sure. Make him play it from off the pitch. There you go. New, new rule invented. <laughs> that, that'll solve that issue. But yeah, I mean, we've got we're going to have these moments, aren't we? We're still a team that's scrapping against relegation despite these last two results. And there's going to be moments where we're going to have issues of, of holding on to things or getting away with things. And as long as we keep getting away with them, I'm not going to worry too much about it. Um, at the end of the day, we didn't. It wasn't really. It was a bad bit of play, but it wasn't you know deliberate cheating and stuff. So uh, there we go. But in terms of that that start, obviously we talked about that being the sort of first moment. But what did you what did you make of the start, Ollie, in terms of how we played? Because for me i think that was obviously the best part of the game for us yeah i think yeah we did play our best festival in the first half it was yeah definitely a game of um of two halves of shrewsbury um and yeah our, our chances often came from their errors um, mm. so williams was fouled um and pushing forward um a free kick was cleared um from the box by lincoln and wally had a shot on that went straight to the keeper and then, yeah, I thought Lincoln started to wake up a little bit. Um, yeah, they started to put some balls in the danger area. Um, but Alex, yeah, interested to get what your thoughts are. I thought the back three had another superb game here and they clear the lines really well. Yeah, absolutely. It, it makes a change to, to all of a sudden look solid at the back. Um, <laughs> from what we were saying about Sarkic, you know, he, he had a good game when he was called on, but he didn't really have much to do, which is obviously testament to, to the three in front of him. I mean, I think there was a stat on the radio, Alex, I don't know if you heard it, but and we'll, we'll go through the rest of the games as go, but we restricted um, Hull and Lincoln, first and second, in back-to-back games to only one shot on target in two games, which to me is the, is the stat that really brings out how well this defence are playing. And the more I watched it, Ollie, you know, we, we talked to Pooley, uh, Andy Davis, a few weeks ago, didn't we, the, the ex-professional centre-back, and he started telling us about, you know, the ways that maybe he saw things about the defence and how they were playing slightly differently, opening their shoulders up and, you know, the confidence that they've now got from keeping a clean sheet at Hull, all those sorts of things really were very clear in this game for me Ollie about how much they've they've finally stepped up to the plate after a very four, poor few weeks really yeah it's just it sounds really simple but yeah Sam Ricketts made Cottrell's life easy for him in some ways because he's <laughs> just fixed some of the, the simple glaring errors yeah. you know, fans were talking about the defensive errors um Yes, he didn't have Sarsic in goal, and I, 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 I really believe that he gives the defence a lot of confidence. And yeah, he's, he's fixing those errors, and the defenders look uh, look reborn. Um, so yeah, it was going well, um, and then he just got a whole lot better. So um, yeah, Wally and Ado pressured the, the two centre-backs of Lincoln, and the full-backs have both pushed up quite wide and high at this point. Um, yeah, we forced one of the central defenders to make a poor pass. And Wally presses the man who and basically tr- tries to control the ball but loses it <laughs> and fouls a doe. And then the ball comes to Wally who runs forward. He takes a turn to the right. The defender goes to the left. He takes his time. And then like parting of the wave, the goalkeeper kind of falls over. The defender kind of moves out the way and he just passes it into the back of the net. Um, absolutely disastrous defending um, from Lincoln. And while I do like playing the ball out the back, this is one of the risks of playing it at this level, Glenn. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it was. I, I saw a lot of people describe this as the FIFA FIFA football glitch, where the keeper just suddenly kind of falls over or completely doesn't try to catch a ball or something like that that you see when you're playing FIFA on PlayStation or the Xbox or something. But it was really poor defending, wasn't it? Credit to Ado, the way he sort of got the, the the tackle in, sort of clogged the guy afterwards, which was lucky. I thought that might have been a foul, but kind of just falls to Wally. And and to be fair to Wally, the composure is unbelievable. Um, and he slots it home through the keep through the defender's legs um, after the keeper's had his little moment of falling over. So. Yeah, absolutely brilliant goal. Um, real good composure from Wally. You know that experience from from an older player. And you know, thirty eight minutes, Alex get that early goal. It, it seemed like we were we were on on course for that positive result we went on to get. I suppose. Yeah, it felt like it felt like a good time to score. You know, yep. um, I was actually at the time I was going to square it, square it because Udo <laughs> was all by himself. And he, he was, was yeah. such a Wally thing to do to just hit it straight at that defender. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I was happy with the uh, with the with the lead. Obviously, um, and I thought it was something that we deserved as well. Um, you know, I thought we were, we were good. We were good for our, our um, kind of playing. I mean, the first half um, as the kind of yeah first half comes to a, a draw. There was a handball claim against Pierre, um, and for me, yeah, that was potentially handball in with the new rules. Glenn, would you say? Yeah, you started to lose count. There was in between their two reasonable handball uh, sort of penalty shouts. There was another horrendous dive they did, and then they did another one second half. So yeah. I ended up about two two at the end. But um, yeah, it was it was it was hard to see, wasn't it, from the referee's angle? I think, which is probably why we got away with it. Um, it was one of those ones where he was running, wasn't it? And it sort of hit his hand as he maybe was out from his body. In the Premiership with VAR, it probably gets given, but um, at a League One level with no chance to replay it and a referee making instant decisions wasn't to be. Um, but to me, it was a, it was a reasonable shout, I suppose. Um, and then it. It forced a corner, didn't it, that moment? And um, yeah. Sarkic made a, a, the only shot on target that they had, which was a, a point-blank save, really. And, and Alex, he's, he's been impressive the last few weeks, Sarkic, hasn't he? And, you know, this point-blank save is, is just as important as that goal in the first half, really. Yeah, it was a superb save. It was obviously the standout moment for Sarkic, I think, in the entire game. Not that he had much to do, but, yeah, he, he's really impressed me since he came in. He, he, looks, he definitely looks better of the, uh, the better of the three that we have. Yeah, he'd be your first choice, would he? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, poor old Harry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I championed him as much as I could, but I have to fall in line with you and uh, all these, all these of the same opinion because he's been, uh, he has been pretty decent, Sarkic, hasn't he? And, and at times has made some really, really good saves. Look, reminds me a little bit um, of. Um, a bit early on to be calling this because of what he went on to do, but a little bit like uh, Luke Daniels when he joined, quite a t- quite a tall lad and seems to make those sprawling saves as well at times. But um, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But certainly another one, another good loan keeper, Ollie. We do seem to have a succession of them over the years, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do very good at um, getting loan goalkeepers. And for me, yeah, being in League One, I think this is a, a wise strategy to continue with because, yeah, goalkeepers, a bit like strikers, seem to get hoovered up by bigger teams. Yeah. Um, but one observation I just wanted to make that was really interesting. Again, like, I just love the fact that Kopter actually shares information and helps you understand what he's doing. And he was talking about how the team defend differently in the three thirds of the pitch. Mm-hmm. One of the things I found really, really interesting was that when we were had the ball and we were attacking, Goss was clearly a number 10. But the longer we defended and the deeper I, we got, he just kind of seemed to move backwards, almost like he was on some tram lines in the centre of the pitch. <laughs> and then when we were defending quite deep, he was playing as a deep line um, defensive midfielder, um, deeper than both Vela and Norburn. And I think it's just really interesting that there's those little subtleties he's putting into the game. Um, and obviously him being in midfield there means that Norburn and Vela can kind of support the wing back because, yeah, that's potentially where we could get overloaded. And it, it just shows you how how smart um, Cottrell is and he's, and he's setting a team up really well. Yeah, I t- totally agree, Ollie. And to me, it's also a part of the the fact that he's got them seemingly working a bit harder in terms of that midfield unit as well. Um, you know, they all sort of get back there when we're under the cosh and then they all try and break together a little bit more. But it, it is interesting. Um, we've had our say on Goss last week, haven't we, Ollie? But it is interesting how much of an important piece of this team that's suddenly beaten first and second Sean Goss has become, Alex, when he was drummed at the team and not registered. It is a, it is one of the strangest Shrewsbury Town stories for quite some time, isn't it? Yeah, it was a weird one for me because I've always thought that Goss had the ability to be head and shoulders above most midfielders that we've got. Mm. Um, and it makes sense for him to be the deep line midfielder with his range of passing. He looks a completely new player playing further forward. It's It, it has really impressed me, really, because I didn't see that from, from yep. Goss, really. 
It's the new position he's pick, picking up is great. But as you say, Ollie, you know, we were impressed last week when we were talking about that attacking prowess and the, the number 10 role. But I completely agree with you. He is still great at coming back and helping that be that shield at times as well. So it, it is a really nice little role for him. And as I said to you on, on Tuesday when we were talking about this on, I think it was one of our many chats that we have, Ollie. But I was saying it, the, the fact he's such a big part of the jigsaw is, is so interesting. And, and actually, he's come into it fairly fresh by the look of it, hasn't he? He seems to have the fitness to be lasted through games as well. Yeah, he's a testament to to how well he's kept himself in, in good in good fitness um, yeah. when working with the youth players. Um, I'm sure he's probably knackered after the games, and I think the game cancelled on, on this Saturday is a, yeah, it's probably it's probably quite timely for us. Um, it <laughs> gives the, the the manager more time to prepare for the Doncaster game, and obviously Doncaster will be a bit more tired as well with having a game on Saturday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's move into the second half, and I think the second half was um, is basically. Just testament and an example of how well organised we are. Um, we we defend so well and we're so well compact. The, the distance between the players is is perfect, um, and we defend really well. Um, and the half started really um, from a yeah Pierre um, caught um, clearing a corner. Um, it's a good opportunity um, for Lincoln, but well defended. Um, and then I thought that Lincoln tried to kind of like push the play over to the left and switch it to the right. It seemed to be a quite a, a constant tactic they were doing, trying to get overload with the winger and the fullback. Um, but again, Town fire, Town defended well, but I think it's fair to say that also Lincoln um, were not really taking their chances. Um, it was a yeah. really, really good effort they had um, where they, they worked the ball, again, as I said, from the left over to right, a super block from Ebanks, and then, then right. Asarchit diverts the ball onto the post. And, and that was... Yeah, that's a good example of what they were doing. But then at the same time, also testament to how well we were we were defending and also individuals making uh, making good blocks and saves. We haven't mentioned, you know, Ebanks and Williams by by name until you just mentioned him then. Um, and and they were both exceptionally good in this game. I mean, for me, they both offer something slightly different. Ebanks with physicality and and you know he headed the ball away so many times. But I also have to think. I also think Williams went a little bit unnoticed in this game. His pace, chasing things back and blocking things out and forcing corners or keeping things from going out for a, for a corner. And I thought he was exceptional. And and that's without mentioning Pierre. But all three of them brought a little bit of something different. Um, and it was all needed during the second half when the press got ratcheted up but yeah I don't know which which maybe which of the, the three centre-backs stood out most for you during this second half of pressure um, Alex? Ebanks Landau was probably mm. the better of the three but I think it's, uh, it's probably a good thing that Williams and Pierre didn't stand out because that's kind of mm. what you want you want them to just be doing their job nothing fancy you're in the right positions you know you don't want them to be all over the game yeah yeah, exactly. I mentioned Ebanks and Block there, um, but that didn't happen too often, and that's testament that you know we weren't put ourselves, and that's been the trouble, haven't we? We've put ourselves in a situation where you have to make some kind of wonderful block or tackle, um, and we normally have been failing to, to kind of make that tackle or that block, but in this yeah. game, um, we defended well, and most of the time, the players were standing up on their feet. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't desperate. It wasn't, and, and the thing that really helped during this half for me was uh, um, Wally and Ado, um, because they offered themselves to to the, to the slaughter really in some respects. They took a fair bit out of their game in terms of how well we could counter attack by just making sure they got a goal side, and if a ball came out from the, from the back when we were, sort of, we were getting it clear, they just did enough to hold it or force a defender into making an error and, and cough the ball back up. And it was those two that gave us a good option. You know, we weren't particularly great going forward in the second half because understandably we were under pressure away from home against. A good team um but they i thought that you know they did fantastic in that second half in terms of, of giving us at least a, an out ball and without the out ball you generally would always fail in this situation it's one of the things we've struggled with this season so yeah they both deserve a lot of credit for, for providing that outlet ollie yeah it's not just the outlet they were doing for me yep. like we didn't i don't think we did i don't think they were a, a great outlet um but yeah it's not, not going to be critical of this game um, in terms of players from yeah, yeah, but I think the, the work that they did the best was, was kind of getting in the back and being yeah. that first front line of defence. And then I, I'd imagine that's what the manager was referring yeah. to as well. Yes, they kept running, they kept working, they kept making it difficult for, for Lincoln. Um, obviously, Lincoln had to be mindful we had two strikers up front, and which actually really does help, I think, in this kind of this kind of... This is why I really like the way Cottrell sets his team up. I mean, you know, not, I'm not a huge fan of three at the back, but he plays it in such a balanced way that you're having those two strikers means that the opposition, you know, they push their both their fullbacks forward, but they've got to be mindful of us hitting them on the break. And yeah, that's something we will work on. I'm sure we'll get better at hitting mm. teams on the counter. Oh, and Alex, Alex, what do you make of a doe at the moment? Like we were lamenting last week about how he's doing everything but score, which is so unfortunate. But it, it, the effort he's particularly put in over this period under, under Cottrell has been fantastic, hasn't it? I love Udo. 
I, I really do. He's mm. such a, a charismatic player. Doesn't quite get the goals that you'd want him to, obviously. Um, I think if he was getting you know, a decent haul every season, he probably wouldn't be playing for the likes of Shrewsbury, let's be honest. <laughs> um, I, I, I just love his work ethic. He, he's such a great player. And you can almost excuse the, the lack of goals because of the mm. effort that he puts in. Ollie, Ollie, we've had this discussion about a lot of players. Shrewsbury Town fans just love a, a trier and a hard worker and someone that puts 100% effort in. And, and it's sometimes they can overlook the, the foibles that they might have. Yeah. And you, you sometimes struggle to understand that as a football purist, I think, sometimes. But, yeah, you know, we're quite simple folk in Shropshire. If you work hard, we'll let you off with a few things, won't we? Yeah, I've, had my, I've been scratching my head a few times. Yeah, Doe's doing really well this, in the last few games. Um, I think he's clearly going to improve the manager's yeah. traumatic positional play. He's been, his position has been better. Um, yeah, he's he's contributed to two assists in the last two games. Um, so mm-hmm. before he wasn't doing that. Um, so he's definitely doing more to impact the game. Yeah, I just you know even if he was a one in, a one goal in three man, you know with his work rate and stuff, yeah, I'd definitely accept that. Especially playing with two strikers, I guess that was the pressure when you play with one up front. You really do need that striker to be banging in goals. But having two strikers, and he seems like a player as well, Glenn. I think he's the kind of player that probably will pe- play better as a front two rather than one on his own. Yeah, I, I think so, and and I think we've talked about the last few weeks about the the return of Clark and. What that might offer us in terms of being able to play a two up front, but we, I don't know. We're not sure about when Clark's going to be back, are we? At the no, moment, no, and um, no. it don't. It just doesn't work with him and Cummins. We've seen that, and um, I don't. Well, miss, I don't know. I think I'd give everyone a fresh chance under this mm-hmm. manager. Um, you know, we've seen what he's done with Goss. Uh, we've seen yeah. what he's done of Norburn and Vela. Um, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what you can do. And again, just really positive and looking forward to these these things at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so half went on really. It was more of the same, wasn't it? They, they kept kind of coming at us, but it was never really hugely threatening. I thought, I would say one thing about Lincoln, I thought they were actually a bit better than Hull were in t- terms of trying to yeah. break us down and the way they played. But, um, you know, it was fairly marginal, to be honest with you. Um, the only they tactics really- more intensity and a bit yeah. more purpose. Um, I think Hull... I don't know whether it was just a men, you know, men, the mental side of the game is so is so key. I don't know whether Hull just just were just really struggled mentally to kind of react. Um, I think it's a testament to how good Appleton is as a manager that the yeah, second half they were they were really good, but yeah, just couldn't work the. I wouldn't say they have too many clear cut chances, um, but yeah, they they were a threat, and it wasn't as let's say I was quite comfortable watching the whole game. Um, I wasn't as comfortable watching this Lincoln one in the second no. half. No, I think that's fair, isn't it, Alex? And and one of the things that maybe looked like the way that Lincoln were going to try and break us down at times was was the the sort of pacey wide players they had up against you know a, an aging Daniels and Miller who's only just settling into League One football, and that was maybe the the area that you you kind of worried about more in terms of how, how our defence would hold on. But they both did well enough as the game went on, didn't they? They did. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Matt Miller. Um, I really have. It's it, it's one of the things that I think in January we've got to keep hold of him. Um, yep, he seems like a a class act, really. Um, Daniels, I mean, I take him or leave him. He's got great delivery from set pieces. Has he been that great going backwards? I'm not sure. Um, mm. Jury's still out for me, but um, yeah, we'll hold that one there. Let's not say too much on Daniels, <laughs> or we'll, we'll spoil the, the spoil the salad news section. But yeah, I think it's a fair comment. One thing I would say, Alex, is when he was standing over that free kick in the second half, you know, a, a nice angle. Were you you were hoping he'd bang that one in? I suppose I, I really was, yeah, because everyone knows the quality that he's got from his uh, from his left foot. I mean, I think when he, when we signed him, I think everyone rushed to YouTube to watch that Man City goal again. Um, I, yeah, I, I do like him. I like him. Um, but with them attacking the wings, I was always confident in the three centre-halves with how yes. well we were playing. I was yes. always confident at that. Um, it didn't worry, to me, worry me too much. No, they're a handy insurance policy for a, for a full-back or a wing-back that's having a poor game, aren't they, Ollie? to be fair, when they're playing like that. But unfortunately, you know, that free kick straight at uh, the keeper, wasn't it, from Daniels? And then, um, yeah, Johnson kind of had a good shot for Lincoln that was into the side netting, um, sort of through, through a crowd. That was poor from him, I thought, Just, really. Yeah, that was a good chance. Probably one of their best chances in the second half, really. Um, and, yeah, gap, gaps did start to form in our, our, our team as it went on. I think there was a little bit of tiredness that came back in Ollie, and that's to be expected with us not changing a team. But they... To be fair to them, I think a few of them ran through some pain and some 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 fatigue in this game because they didn't want to, you know, get subbed off. And I don't, we didn't make many subs in this game, do we? I think Edwards came on late, didn't he, and sat deep. And um, didn't we change one of the front players? I think for for Tracy. But you know, in essence, it, it was seemed like a reluctance to change the lads that had worked so hard. And he, I think he just wanted them to kind of get over the line because if they, these guys that have come off that pitch at Lincoln now, regardless of the game being called off this weekend, Ollie, that eleven players who've seen us through the line in two of the best teams in the league, they must be on cloud nine now. And for him to have got 
got those 11 at, at that point in time now, just, you know, in a fantastic position. It's such a helpful thing to have, isn't it, now for the relegation battle? Yeah, you wouldn't, you never would have thought this, you know, a few episodes ago, oh. um, we were obviously talking about change of manager and, we, we, you know, we were trying to kind of just remind the fans that this month, is, you know, you know, fans don't normally look six, seven games ahead, like we we done. Um, and yeah, it was going to be a tough month. And yeah, to have as many points as we have collected in the last few weeks mm. is just phenomenal. Um, I guess to close this game out, um, yeah, Daniel's had a good effort from range. And there was a super block um, from Ebanks again, uh, who's been a constant theme through this episode. Yep. Um, he, he was absolutely brilliant in, de- in defence. It was, and then that was it. Final whistle went again, and some celebrations, big celebrations from the lads. I thought, you know, some, you know, knowing a job that they'd done this week, and 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 it seems like a, an inc- obviously, regardless of whether we got a new manager or not, winning these two games back to back under any manager, there'd be an increase in that team spirit and that confidence, and I think I think that is going to be going to be massive going forward. But yeah, I don't know, Alex. Just just as a summary of these, having won these two games against Hull and Lincoln, I don't know what what do you where do you think it leaves us really looking at this next few games and the the trouble we're in, I suppose. I mean, it leaves us a lot more confident uh, being outside the relegation zone, you know, yep. uh, kind of trying to keep uh, keep them at arm's, arm's uh, length than if we'd have lost these two. I think we would have been fair in saying that, I mean, we would probably be expecting to lose both of those, yep. the way that we've been playing. So to come out of it with six points is, has been a real massive confidence boost, especially for all the players. That, like you say, um, the, the two starting 11s from the last two games, it must, uh, must have boosted their confidence uh, tenfold. And the fans, Ollie, you know, definitely seeing a huge increase in positivity amongst our fan base. That's for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's funny. After a game, yeah, my phone's going crazy when you post a few things, and everyone's <laughs> just really happy. And yeah, it's 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 just so important to, isn't it? Like for, you know, as, as for big football fans, it has a huge impact on your weekend, and, and yeah. yeah, it just makes it. Just, yeah, it's just so nice watching a game and and just looking forward to the game and all aspects of, of the football club and and all that kind of stuff is is exciting when when you're struggling. It, it definitely is found like a grind, and yeah, as we do the podcast, we haven't we haven't missed any games either. No, it's, it's sh- the only thing I'm sh- thinking is a shame about the Sunderland game being off today is that had we gone on to win that and beaten Hull, Lincoln, Sunderland in three games back to back, you'd have to go back a very, very long time to find a calendar, you know, seven day period uh, or eight days, I suppose you include the, the week to week. But, you know, that, that period where we'd had three better results than that in, in, in you know, the recent memory, you know, I suppose you go back to the Hurst season, Ollie, where I think there was a period in February 2018 where we won three games in a week, but they weren't against the team's first and second and, and tenth in the league or whatever it was. Um, so, you know, shame that game's off. But even then, for, to win these two games in, in, in back-to-back is probably the most impressive results again since the Bore Hurst season. So, you know, already Cottrell's trying to take us beyond this little stodgy post-Hurst period into something where, yeah, there's genuine optimism, there's genuine, um, you know, thought that we can do something against the better teams in this league now. So it's definitely, to me, already, we don't want to run before we go because we're only a few games into under this manager, but just taking us to another little level, really, or taking me to another level in terms of my... Not expectations, but my my thoughts about approaching most of the games, I suppose. Yeah, so what I want to have is just a bit of a little discussion um, about it. So we've had four games um, with Cottrell now in the league. So mm-hmm. we drew with Stanley, who are a good side. We drew with Charlton, who are clearly a, a big team. Um, obviously, then we beat um, Hull and we beat Lincoln. Yep. So just like, you know, maybe a couple of points each. We start with Alex. What have you? What do you think has been the main differences um, in, the, in the four Cottrell games that you've seen? So I think... One of the massive things is we don't look as leaky at the back. Um, it looks 10 times more solid than what it did under Ricketts, which is uh, unusual, really, considering Ricketts was a defender. Yeah, um, and Cottrell was a striker. So it's like the opposite. <laughs> I never really, really get that methodology. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get that at all. Because, like, you know, I don't understand if you're a defender, why you'd be better at, uh, you know, you'd have a defensive team. I, you know, I don't get quite that. Yeah, I don't know. The, your natural inclinations, maybe. I don't know. But go on, Alex. And I think uh, I think it's been kind of, like you say, said earlier, the unselfishness up front. Um, I think the players are really working for each other, which didn't look the case under Ricketts. Nope. It seemed that, you know, we'd have a few things go against us, even at nil-nils in games. A few things would go against us and heads would drop automatically. I think they're probably the two main reasons why things seem to be looking up now. For me, Ollie, I think off the back of what Alex just said, the 
belief. There's, there seems to be more belief there. Um, I think that naturally comes from changing managers in a, in a fresh uh, slate, as I said last week. Um, but no belief there that when you see someone like Goss come in, there's a chance for everybody now, and it's a new start, and everyone's you know desperate to impress. I suppose so. Um, that's a big part of it. I would agree with Alex. I won't labour it too much more, but the way we're defending is is much more solid. Um, and I just think that you know consistency. Um, it's really hard to define how he's got us being more consistent, but I do think that there is a big part of this selecting the same team and making minor changes to his starting lineups that is a big part of why we've suddenly got a bit better. And often some of the teams that have been the best for Town teams are the team where we could sit back and we could probably name the starting 11 from Graham Turner's season when we got promoted because it was pretty much the same team every week. You know, we could pretty much name the 11 that played most weeks under Hurst because good teams gel, settle and, and get really good. And then you have those sort of floating fringe players that come in and out. I think we're missing those floating fringe players at the moment. We don't have the quality for it, but I think he's clearly identified at least 10 or, or nine of them that are going to play most weeks under him now until January. And I think for me, that consistency of selection will be really important, Ollie, and is, is part of the reason why we're doing better now. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with all those points. Um, for me, I think it comes from having a manager of a very clear game plan, yep. a very clear idea of what he's going to come in. So like, Cottrell's played different formations in his career, um, but he's been most successful with three at the back, and he clearly knows this formation really, really well. Yeah, um, And I think it's really fascinating that I think it's fair to say Sam Ricketts want to implement um, a style this year, a 4-3-3. It didn't work. Cottrell's come in and he's been here two weeks and he's already <laughs> managed to get the team playing in a in a, in a a very clear um, philosophy and setup and instructions. Um, I think that, that's one thing. I think he's set the team up to be really well organised. But I think him and his team have... I've got all. I don't know. It's the same analysts. So the analysts is, is the same at the club. But obviously, clearly, you've got you've got Dave Long, Dave Dave around you, Aaron, and you've obviously got the uh, manager. I think they just seem to be just higher caliber uh, manager mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is able to you know that that point about Honeyman not letting it on his left foot, the way we shut out the holes fullbacks, um, and the way that we kind of set ourselves up. I think it's just. Yeah, just he's just a better manager. It's as simple as that, um, and it's it's phenomenal what he's done in two weeks. And, and Alex, it, it does show. You know, I totally agree what Ollie just said. Then you know, it's no shock that a manager with experience of managing at this level and not learning a job like Ricketts is is able to to bring something new. And and it does make you you know think about recruitment over the last few years and, and going for an ASCII and a Ricketts and even Hurst, which went well with, I suppose. But you know, it, it does make you think this was the right choice to bring in experience now. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think the reason why we kind of went down the route of bringing in managers that were less experienced but kind of on their way up is kind of because the first one that we did under Hurst, it worked. Um, And I think, obviously, the last couple haven't. This appointment really needed to be experienced. Um, And it's clear to me that I believe we've got the right guy. Good. I I I wonder how much of it, Glenn, is about experience or is it just about talent? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's like Danny Cowley came, Danny Cowley came into the Football League with Lincoln with no league experience. No, I agree. He's clearly a talented manager. I, I, you don't, but he, what well, I kind of, kind of agreeing with you in some respects. I'm saying that Steve Cottrell hasn't had experience in managing at championships level unless he's had that talent. Do you know what I mean? He's clearly a very good football manager. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to debate that, that question. You don't manage no. a championship team a couple of times without being a good manager. So, yeah, he's a manager of a calibre above what we've had for a very long time. So, yeah, yeah I, I totally agree, agree with you. He's a talented manager, but he's also bringing with him now, because he's later on in his career, um, you could say that Steven Gerrard looks to be a talented manager. You know, Frank Lampard looks to be a talented manager. They're starting their career. They're doing well at big clubs. But Steve Cottrell's doing well at a small club that he, he has managed at levels above and he's bringing that experience down to, to a club like Shrewsbury, which I think will be great going forward. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of it goes. So um, Yeah, definitely the experience thing has helped yeah. massively. Yeah. As we all know from our own careers, the more experienced you are, the, the better you are at managing people and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, you know, he's got, you know, getting that communication that message across, his experience has definitely helped. But I'd also say, yeah, he's a he's a very talented man. So yeah, all positive. And um yeah, it's it's great just to be positive for a change. And on positives, top threes were very difficult to pick for me in this one, Ollie. Um, yeah. So we'll go through our top threes now. But I say I, I couldn't really split Ebanks and, and, and Williams, to be honest with you. I, I say I, I like the, the guy that goes unnoticed, but you know I was really watching him in the second half about how he defended. And he really did well, seeing the ball out of play, shielding. His pace was good. He was he was just really on it. And it, and it's really harsh not to pick Ebanks as my number one. But yeah, I couldn't split them. So I went Williams number one, Ebanks number two. Um, it could have been very different. I say Ebanks, we, we've talked about the, the way he defended was absolutely superb. And the two blocks he made were 
absolutely critical at times in the game. Um, and I went for Wally uh, for, for third place. I say his selflessness was great. And his work rate was amazing. And, you know, a really good goal composure that that, that uh, did fantastic in the game, really. So that was my top three. What about you, Alex? Yeah, so I, I was the same as you. I couldn't really split the defence between mm-hmm. the three, to be honest. Okay. Um, in the end, I went with Evan uh, Slandell. I mean, yep. clear standout for me, along with the other two. But it was kind of just, you know, throw a dart board at it. Uh, throw a dart at it and then I couldn't split the two the two attackers Udo and Warley I went with Warley purely on the fact that he got the goal Udo mm. third okay Okay, there we go then. So Ebanks, Wally, Ado for you, and and there's some similar names there for you, Ollie. Yeah, I thought Ebanks was just absolutely outstanding with his blocks, his headers, yeah. uh, and marshalling defence. Um, so yeah, and then Wally and Ado um, just for their she work ethic um, and, and getting us the goal. So yeah, really tough though. You know, you could easily have put Vela in there. Easy to put Norburn in there. Yeah, I didn't mention um, him. Yeah. E- yeah, easy could have put um, Pierre in there and Williams yeah. as well. And Sausage made a few good saves as well. So. Yeah, it's, it was a, it was really nice to have have the options of choice. All players were solid, at least six and sevens. You know, six seems poor, but you know, all well above average scores in this game. I think you know, even Miller and, and Daniels did well enough in the game. So yeah, a performance level and gritty hard working that was was fantastic to see. So yeah, obviously we all love Steve Cottrell, so we all tuned into his post match interview, Ollie. Yeah, we do, and I even saved it for the next day uh, when oh. I was doing the podcast agenda just to listen to it. Um, but yeah, and he said it was a really tough game. They're a really good team. Uh, we knew we'd have a lot. They would have a lot of the ball. Yeah, um, it's, we've had a really, really tough month. It doesn't get any easier. It's always going to be a tough month. Um, we have them all back to back, so it's a great testament to the teams of the work that they've done uh-huh. on the front too. So willing, so selfless. They do so much for the team. Um, I'm so pleased they when they score. Um, and he went on to say, um, I'm not sure what's going on through his mind when he stopped, um, but it's a really, really calm finish on Wally's finish there. So that was quite funny. You just don't um, see that very often at our level, do you, Wally? No. It's such a, such a random thing. But there we go. It's yeah. a great moment. Uh, yeah, he went on to say it would have been difficult to change from the weekend. Um, they all know where they need to be on the turnover. And yeah, so that, and he's talking right there about their defensive organisation. Yeah, I just want us to get the composure on the ball. So, he, you know, he's obviously still, you know, we, we can definitely get better in the ball. You know, pass accuracy and stuff wasn't as good against Lincoln and we had less of it as well. Uh, but yeah, and he was asked by Stu Dunn, you know, would you have accepted eight points and 12? And you could see that the kind of the, the competitiveness, competitive side of, of Steve Cottrell, he wanted 12 out of 12. But I think he's, he, he said, yeah, if I'm honest, he'd have taken out of 12. And yeah, he was talking about, um, you know, he was talking about the time and stuff. Yeah, he said he'd love to have had a week's break when you're down here and you need to be organised and fit. So that was obviously before the Sunderland was game. Um, was called off so I'm definitely he'll appreciate the time off that we've had this week and he made a really interesting comment as well and he said we've got a bit of an unbalanced squad a bit <laughs> he spotted that pretty early on. He must yeah. be listening to the podcast, I reckon. I mean, yeah, it was interesting. He kind of corrected Dunny, didn't he, by saying, uh, Dunny was saying, oh, you must be you're in such good spirits now, but you can't wait to face Sunderland. And actually, he did correct him, didn't he, and say, ah, no, not really. I think I'd rather have the week off if given, given the chance. And actually, he's ended up getting it. So if anyone was pleased, the game is off now, which would have literally kicked off in five minutes. It's Steve Cottrell. But yeah, another good interview and, and lots of uh, lots of interesting points there. And as I say, Alex, he's just such a good listen to, isn't he? And, and, and you know, Ollie's loving the information he gives, but he's also quite a kind of sparky character, isn't he, in terms of what answers he's given? Yeah, I love how frank he is. He's yeah. just kind of, he's not, he's not full of cliches. Which is one of the things that I hate. He just says what he wants to say, really. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a good thing that we've got Sunderland off today. You know, it gives us a much needed rest, really. But at the same time, you can kind of say, will it kill momentum? It's hard to say. I think I'd rather take the rest. Okay, Ollie. I think that leaves the game, doesn't it? Another great yeah. result and two wins in a row. Um, unusual things for Shrewsbury Town in the in the, in the uh, last five six years, but. Um, Yes, sad news, Ollie. I think we'll just go straight into that because uh, yeah, we've got got a, a Saturday afternoon that we need to get on with. But um, yeah, we talked about Miller, didn't we? We talked about Norburn, obviously, the other week, and we like having these debates at the moment. And you've wanted to bring up the future um, in terms of the January transfer window of, of, of Charlie Daniels and Mark Pugh. Um, so we'll start with you, Ollie, for once. What what are you thinking at the moment with those two? With, with what it is, 10, 10, 11 days until their their contracts are up? Yeah, so interesting. So yeah, what we'll do is we'll go is, as we go through. Up into January, we'll discuss different players and different areas. Maybe we'll, this, this was and this was a question from from a from a listener. You know, what would you do with Daniels and Pugh? I think it's worth just saying, putting it out there that I've been told in good authority that they're on wages that are similar to the rest of the squad. Okay. So they're not on you know championship wages or anything crazy. They they've kind of come to our level. Good. Um, <laughs> 
obviously a lot of these questions will all these questions um so there's, i had a question from last week from from um from paddy a pacific shrew about you know what would you do with miller carrying on that discussion and the trouble is is that you know we only see one part of the picture don't we we don't see you know what the manager wants um he, we don't know how many players identified by keith by keith but we don't know how many players that want to come and sign for us or how much budget we've got left so there's so many things we don't know but in terms of daniels and pew if we could keep them for the rest of the season, I think I'd keep both of them, to be honest. I think Daniels is getting fitter and fitter. Um, he's clearly uh, an asset. Um, I'd like to see him and Goldborn, you know, rotate a bit. But I like having um, Daniels in the squad for his set pieces. Um, and he's, he's, his work rate has been really solid in the last few games. You know, we can't. I don't think we can criticise his work rate or his defending. So I think he's been a really good player the last few weeks. And Pew, Pew offers something different. And he can play in a number of roles up front or the number 10 role. Um, so, yeah, I would actually keep both of them. What, what's your view, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I think before, obviously, you're just saying about them potentially being on similar wages. Before knowing that, I probably would have said, you know, it's a toss of a coin. I could keep them or uh, let them go. It wouldn't really bother me. Knowing now that they're on similar wages, I probably would say keep, like yourself. Um, like you say, Pew gives us another option up front. Um, probably, for me, in January, we may bring in somebody similar to him. Probably not mm. as old, um, which means his game time may be dwindling a little bit. But, you know, he's, he's no spring chicken. Um, and like you say, Daniels, his set pieces, you know, they pay for themselves, really. Yeah. I, I've done a complete 180 on this, Ollie, from where we were after the first couple of games of seeing Daniels and Pew, because Daniels looked well off it, well off it. And Pew started OK, didn't he? And obviously, obviously went on to score a goal. I'm now more inclined, and I would have said at that point in time, you know, keep Pew, and I wouldn't be bothered if Daniels went. I'm more inclined to say the other way around now if we were if we, if we were looking at it because I think it's really interesting that when we've had this sort of settled squad in the last couple of weeks and we've done well, Mark Pugh hasn't featured all that much, Ollie, if you look at it. Obviously, yeah. he hasn't started either of these two games. I have the feeling that um, our new gaffer might think there is better out there in terms of pace, direct football than an ageing Mark Pugh. However, I also think that he might treasure the qualities that a experienced player of Daniels's um, ilk might actually bring the team. So I, I can see Pugh going and, and maybe Daniels being offered a contract. And, and I wouldn't be too upset about that. Um, Pugh has done okay in the games he's got, but this is League One level. There are other players out there and I'm, I'm sure he's got he's got contacts and Pugh could be replaceable. So He doesn't I, fit in, does he, as well, no, Pugh? Daniels yeah, has clearly uh, can fulfil that wing-back role. Yep, yes, exactly. he hasn't got quite the legs and stuff, but he's, he's clearly got a role. Pugh exactly. is a little bit more difficult yeah. for him. So, yeah, so weird. I wouldn't have thought we'd be saying that in the run-up to Christmas. Um, you know, and if Daniels keeps improving, and, and the other thing to say about both of them is they haven't broken down with injuries yet. And, nope. you know, we've had Dave Edwards come back at his age and continually getting injuries and niggles. They they have at least kept their injury record down. So, to me, at this moment in time, weirdly, I'd probably keep Daniels as a as a good option going forward. And I, and I might look at replacing Pugh. But if they're both on a reasonable amount of money, like you say, and he does end up signing both of them, I don't think it really kills us this season. They're, they're both going to do a job. But, um. Yeah, it's, it's odd, isn't it, how things change in football? Yeah, and I think just maybe just one th worth maybe point noting as well is that, you know, you, I don't know if you've seen Glenn, um, but Pew's always posting stuff on, on, on Instagram. About I'm the not in, on Instagram, stuff. Ollie. Um, and he, he clearly keeps himself in good nick. Um, he keeps himself really fit. Um, and yeah, 33-year-old players in League One is quite not the same as what Ian Wone and that were back in the day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and again, we say all this with... You know, we say all this thing and, oh, yeah, we'd like to do this. But if we brought in a, a Greg Doherty-like type and a 22-year-old version of, I don't know, um, you know, a really good um, wing back, we wouldn't yeah. complain either way. But, yeah, knowing what we know and what we can see, yeah, I think, I think we're on kind of the position that definitely keep Daniels and Pew. Yeah, nice to keep. But if we don't, um, maybe we can bring in someone else. Yeah, the test's always on what comes in instead, isn't it? Like we said last week. Yeah. So we would have to see. So there we go. And yeah. then, yeah, predictions, Ollie. Well, actually, let's just ask Alex a question. So Alex won't be on with us for the, for the next few pods. We'll definitely get him back on again soon. But if there's one one position that you can prove, Alex, and you, you know you've you've got you know you've got the you've got the chance to talk to the manager, and he's asked you what position would you like to see a new player come in? Where would you like most like to see someone come in? I think if you look at the players that are ready to come back from injury, you know you've got Clark coming back as a striker. Um, I think. The position that we really need to uh, invest in, personally, is a goal-scoring midfielder. It's something we've never had. It's something we've never, ever had. And I think we need somebody that's going to play on the half turn, maybe where Goss is playing right now. We need somebody that's going to just shoot. John Nolan-esque. I bet yes. you're a big yeah. fan of John, John Nolan. John Nolan would be perfect in this formation, wouldn't he? 
Alex has just described how he plays with A-Sporters, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sign me up. That little man sitting in the hole, turning, he's got a, he's got a good long shot on him, Alex, to be fair. So, yeah, you're after someone like that, aren't you, Alex? But, yeah, I think that's that's fair enough, isn't it? I mean, Making me blush. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, that's once. Did it happen once? Um, but, yeah, I think we'll, we'll do a lot more about the January transfer window, Ollie, in the next few weeks, won't we? And we'll, we'll ask all our guests over the next few weeks what they think. So, yeah, predictions. I suppose let's just let's just rip through this quickly because I, I wouldn't mind going to watch Soccer Saturday if that's okay with you boys. But um, yes, Wigan Athletic away next. Uh, sorry, well, I was going to say next Saturday it is next Saturday. It's also Boxing Day next Saturday. So um, yeah, well, unfortunately, it'll be the first Boxing Day game I've missed for a really long time. Um, in fact, I remember going to Wigan on Boxing Day a few years back, didn't we? So yeah, um, remember going yeah, to that one, yeah. Yeah, it was in the Hurst, wasn't it? Um, so yes, Boxing Day game away at Wigan. They won't have any fans because they're in Tier Three, so it'll be a behind closed door game. Us going in with confidence, they might have taken a jarring defeat today. What, what are you thinking, Ollie? Start with you. Um, I'm going to go for, um, I was nearly said 3 0, but <laughs> I just don't think we've got the players to score that many goals. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going for 2 0 win to Shrewsbury. It's, it's almost as bad as the guy I saw after we beat Lincoln, who was like, I've just got a town at 66 to 1 to go up. I was like, all right, man. Oh, we'll just want two games, mate. But we're going to, you know, a shell of a club at the moment. Yeah. Um, and we that... really should be, you know. So yeah, we're coming out of this dark period of all these tough games. Obviously, the Sunday game was cancelled, which I'm really pleased about, Glenn, because when we did the prediction, um, that was before, um, yeah, it was obviously it was before we beat beat Lincoln, yeah. um, and also the COVID. Um, so I thought we were going to play Sunderland midweek with eight of their players out, and you were going to nab me on the prediction because I didn't know you were, you went a bit too optimistic. I thought, but um, yeah, yeah. What do you think for this one anyway? Uh, for me, I, I think. I can see it being a bit of a turgid post-Christmas game. Sometimes they're not the best. I think I remember us going to Blackburn and Wigan unboxing it. Oh, Bolton, wasn't it? And they're never really great games that I can remember. So I'll, I'll go for us to get a 1-1 draw at Wigan, which would probably be okay if we, we keep going. But uh, before I ask Alex, one thing I would say is, when was the last time we would, if we won this, when would be the last time we won three away games in a row? I, I bet you have to go back beyond the her season for that. So I will be digging that stat out, Ollie, um, ahead of next week's podcast, because that, that's a bit weird. But um, yeah, 1-1 for me. What about you, Alex? Yeah, I think... Uh... It's a difficult one, isn't it? Going away. I'm probably going to err on the side of caution. I'm probably going to go for a 1-0 win. Not much caution. <laughs> Still a win. <laughs> exactly. 1-0 win seems to be our record at the moment, isn't it? You know, we see yeah. now two in a row. It'd be pretty good to do it three times in a row. But um, yes, mark of a good team, that isn't it? Apparently, that's what Liverpool keep doing. They've won more of their games in the last few years by one goal margins than, than any team in the league. So yeah, maybe that's a good characteristic for us to pick up. So there we go. Okay, well, no losses. I'm sure that'll that'll come to fruition, and <laughs> yeah, we'll look forward to to that. Really, I expect to say, Ollie, it's it's Christmas, so we should just wish all of our listeners a, a merry Christmas. Um, obviously, we'll be back on the day after Boxing Day, probably. Um, we haven't actually sorted out our schedule yet, but we no, will be back in Christmas. And yeah, if we don't, we won't see you before then, or speak to you before then. So. Merry Christmas to all our listeners. Yep, thanks guys for listening. And yeah, thanks Alex for coming on the pod. It's been great having you on. Thank you very much for having me. Merry Christmas, boys. Good stuff, yeah. Merry Christmas to you as well, Alex. And um, yeah, we will be back full of our Christmas lunches and our Boxing Day uh, turkey offcuts or whatever. And um, yeah, we're back next week and hopefully covering a third win in a row. So yeah, Merry Christmas and uh, all the best from Saddlecast. Cast. <laughs>